0: And welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about comedy. I'm Joel Morris. I'm Jason Hazley. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is the marvellous Sarah Morgan.
1: Hello. Hello, Morse. Hello. Hiya. She's been discussing so, so, her fear so. of people tapping. <laughs> yeah. We've been discussing how skeeved out I am by body talk and other things where people pop and click and <laughs> do that thing. It was very big in the eighties, wasn't it? It took a simple. Yeah. Clap it was like a cappella, but more and terrifying. Yeah. yeah.
0: The nightmare that is Bobby McFerrin. Is Maybe
1: it's come? a, I'm gonna unpack it now, like on my podcast, yeah. which I think is because it's very physical and very body centric, which when you're a child is a bit like stop having body. Stop <laughs> like, reminding me of
2: armpits.
1: it's not reminding me of thing. My things. dad used to
2: do the Ooh. thing quite a lot, you know. Whoa. He used to play whole tunes on his cheeks.
0: <laughs> that's that's just dadness. At some point as a dad, you that become a good. musical instrument and pom Peak pom dad. pom around the house, yeah. don't yep. you? Yeah, mm-hmm. I find myself doing that. Tapping tapping on steering wheels while at traffic lights.
1: Yes! I'm married to a drummer, he literally doesn't stop playing his body. That sounds weird. Yeah, cut that. Keep that Keep have you been
0: working today?
1: I have been working today. I've been at a board place for the BBC Writers' Room, oh, doing it's my little. There. Yeah, it's lovely. I, like, they invite me to go and do my little dog and pony show about how to write a sitcom family. Um, oh, yeah. We've, so. we've
0: borrowed that so many times on this. I, I do actually, credit you because it's not yours. I know it's Mitch Hurwitz's, but it kind of belongs to you. It,
1: it, well, I feel like I, I've, in a way, like, I sort of popularised it amongst the comedy community in the UK, a bit like sort of Rufus Wainwright's version of Hallelujah, yeah, or yeah. Alexander Burke's version of Hallelujah, whichever you prefer. It's yeah, uh, but uh, it's funny you mention that actually because y- you may not want to keep this in. I don't know, but did you know there's a Rule of Three drinking game? What's there? Yeah, we're long friends. I'm a fan of the show. Uh, other members. What of you the mean com- about this about podcast? this podcast? Yeah. What? Yeah, so it's two uh, comedy writers who we know and love. Who I've asked if I can name them, and they said if you find it funny. All
2: so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see.
1: But they have a they have a they, have a, they have a sort of drinking game with the things that come up on on uh, on Rule of Three. One of them is. Joel slightly butchering the matriarch patriarch cross and clown paradigm and saying uh, things like taking the uh, front off the watch and uh, John Cleese is the headmaster Uh, the first thing you're allowed to like on your own, there's a a sort of list of things and my favourite one is when Jason doesn't say anything for a while and then just goes it's fucking funny though isn't it So So it's Tom Neenan and Ben Partridge. It's their drinking game, and they told me about it, and I was like, "That is fucking beautiful." and If I ever go on Rule of Three, let's see if (laughs) we can get them
2: completely hammered today. Yeah, it is fucking funny.
1: It is fucking funny.
0: (laughs) That's the only excuse.
2: (laughs) That's that's ridiculous. We've become parodies, then, haven't we? I I mean, we are parodists. For no. a living and pasticheurs for a living, but we're becoming a parody. Or, and, um, or
1: catchphrases could be another nice way of putting well, it. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I suppose. Yeah, but I
0: was always worried about that because you work on sort of impression shows and things, and you think effectively you're, you're meat and potatoes on an impression show. If you're not doing mean stuff about how someone looks, mm. is you're picking up their turns of phrase, and you think the moment you start recording yourself, and everyone hates hearing themselves back on, on tape for yeah. the first time, you suddenly realize you have ticks. I mean, I have them because I edit this show, so I'm fed up with my own laugh. <laughs> I'm fed up with the way I phrase things. I'm fed up with the things I've got tells for when I'm thinking that I can hear, uh-huh. I cut most of them out but a lot of the time I can tell when I'm thinking and talking at the same mm-hmm. time
1: Well you taught me how to edit uh- a <laughs> You talk- <laughs> Joel, you taught me how to use audacity when I was editing my podcast, The Fear, which is a fine, great big owl podcast. Um, it really is. It really is. Thank you. Uh, you've both been guests. Um, it's fucking funny. And I just made the noise, which is the one you told me about, which is that arm is shaped like a bullet. Arm is
0: shaped like, like a I bullet. And now I know
1: what an arm looks like and I take it out. That and me just laughing for no fucking reason. <laughs> right, yeah, <but>
0: first, <laughs> really, yeah, it's really, it's quite <laughs> gruesome. I often think that if anyone makes anything, and one of the most useful things you can do, obviously, if you're a writer is to get on set and see how things are made. If, you, if you're someone who writes and talks and things, making a podcast is really good because you listen to how you talk and you listen to the ticks you've got and the loops and the little digressions you have. And actually, it's quite a good way of hearing how people speak and how someone, again, talks when they're thinking. Mm. It's quite mm. educational, sort of breaking yourself down because you listen to it in enormous detail and the way you wouldn't do when you're down the pub and you're just chatting to friends. It's actually quite an interesting breakdown. I quite like this sort of boom in audio, which means people are listening to other people talking quite carefully.
2: Yes, and it is fucking fun. <laughs> <isn't it>? <laughs> <laughs> <It's> fucking fun.
0: <laughs> now we've got the catchphrases, we're going to start doing them, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, Sorry, Tom and Ben. How yeah, The
1: yeah. problem
0: is that those things will remain true for almost anything. I think the interesting thing with this is where we say to people, bring on something. At the beginning, when we started doing this podcast, a lot of it was saying, bring on something that influenced you. Mm. So very often it was about things that you'd listen to when you were younger or when you were forming your tastes and things. And a lot of the time, that's stuff where there are headmasters and there are sort of families and things yeah. like that. The fun thing's been people bringing on stuff a bit like what we're going to do today, which maybe is maybe when you're a bit older, when the, the values of the comedy are a bit different. They're not just jokes from when you were 17 and wanted to hear that teachers were stupid.
1: Well, that's the interesting thing, because you mentioned that it's, it's not something you like when you're 17. I was 18 when I saw this for the first time. Oh, perfect. Because I am slightly younger than you. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think there's, there's very few things that I remember when I saw them for the first time and I love by the way that we've chosen something that isn't a sacred cow of comedy like a big canonical Monty Python South yeah. Park Bigger Longer mm. Run and cut uh, with Nell and I where I'm going to be like shitting myself about getting it wrong and having people on the internet <laughs> telling me off for it whereas this is like you either have strong feelings about it or you've never fucking heard of it and you don't care what are we doing this week? we are doing Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion take this pink ribbon off my
2: 18 when you first saw it. I
1: was 18, so I can tell you exactly the time, place, everything, where I was when I saw this for the first time. So I was it was 1998, it came out in the cinemas in 97. I was living in Bristol, it was uh, in, in a flat, I don't know whose flat it was. It was so late as to be early, and you can infer from all of this that um, it, it, I, I'd been enjoying a lot of orange squash that evening. Right, yes. As was okay. popular in Bristol in the <laughs> mid to late 90s. So, so it was, so it was. So <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was certainly a time that a lot of people enjoyed orange squash uh, on a night out. The effects of orange squash? The being a tooth kind. there yep. were... Robinson's Barley Water, they were all very popular uh, amongst the youth in the 90s. And uh, I was in a flat in Bristol and I was sort of surrounded by people who were sleeping off the effects of tomorrow's shoes. And I was awake, and I was the only person awake in this flat full of people. And I looked over and next to the telly were those two great big blockbuster VHS cases mm, that were about yeah. the size of a ship. They were yeah. massive. <laughs> like, a, like, a tr- like a pair of trainers. Like yeah. enormous. <laughs> Huge Spice Girl shoes. Yes, yeah, like big buffalo trainers. Um, and I was awake and uh, the orange squash hadn't quite worn off but I knew it was coming. So I watched the two films and one of them was Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. Yep, Still a, a fantastic film. And the other one was Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. And it just... It was the perfect sweet spot of where I was in my life. I was 18 to film sort of about 18-year-olds, and it just absolutely just smacked me in the face with how much I fell in love with it. And obviously, hmm. I had to then check the next day that it wasn't the um, orange squash, uh, yeah. and it wasn't. It was. It, I've, I've probably watched this film more than any other film in my life, and uh, yeah, it's it's how it's brilliant. fucking funny, isn't it? Is I, fucking I, funny. It's fucking funny. I think
0: what, what's remarkable about this movie is mm. you saw it when you were 18, so mm-hmm. you saw it when the age. It's about high school reunion. And you start on the age of they of the girls when they were at high school.
1: Yeah, sort of half the film is them as teenagers, yeah. half the film is them as 28-year-olds. Yeah.
0: I saw this in the golden summer of high school reunion movies because it ah. came out the same time as Gross Point Blank. It was yes, bumped.
1: Yes, that's right. Its, it's it release date was buried, bumped yeah.
0: because Gross Point Blank was coming was out it? literally the same month, so they shifted it. Wow. Uh, it's a year after Beautiful Girls, which I think is a very underrated uh, high school reunion movie that I really like. Uh, there was a big bunch of these, and they were done because they could sell soundtracks off the back of them, nostalgia soundtracks. To people. Ah. They would put the soundtrack on from 10 years earlier so it'd be full of Cindy Lauper and Madonna and things but they could do them and I saw it, I'm ten years older than you, I saw it when I was the age of the reunion
1: Yeah. and
0: so what it was for me I saw it at the cinema, I'm that much of a, no, I went I would, at the it's time It's a
1: very odd film for a dude to go and see at the cinema I considering would, how it was couched I would go a, yeah. and see
0: anything at the cinema that looked like it was about high school because I was such a teen movie fan and such a John Hughes fan and I would go and see anything so I went to see Clueless I went to go and see this I would see anything that was about teenagers at high school I was mad for it and this came out it was a golden summer for nostalgia teen movies and I went to see it I thought it was absolutely brilliant I absolutely loved it and the best thing that happened when DVD came out as a piece of technology my friend John who also loved this movie Bought it for me as the first DVD I ever owned, and it was his way of saying hey. it was his way of saying don't get Citizen Kane, mm. get the movies you actually like. And Ooh. it was a way of breaking my DVD collection, so it wouldn't just have Raging Bull and things in it. That's and great. I have, like you, I've watched this movie probably as much as any film I own. Yeah, and I well, love this. Is this interesting because
1: we've talked about me if I was ever going to come and riddle through, we would talk about this. That was always a given. But my and I knew that we both loved this film, uh, and I did not have any idea whether Jason had seen it. what what happens when someone who's never seen it for the first time watches it? And Jason, tell me, what did you? I'm dying to know what you thought. Please be honest, because I I can't imagine coming into it fresh.
2: I first saw this film this week at the age of 47. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've never seen it before. No orange squash or lemon (laughs) barley water or anything of the sort. Um, Mainly coffee and fizzy water. Um, I loved it.
1: Yay! Oh, I'm so happy. The nice thing is it doesn't matter if people don't love it because it's not canony or whatever, but I'm so happy when people love it. I'm so glad you loved it.
2: Yeah, I really did. I thought it was very funny, very silly, and just big-hearted. I I, I found that towards the end of the film, when comeuppances are happening, Mm. I was really... I was, I was absolutely rooting for them you know yeah. I just was so I was so pleased when everything got sorted out at the end and, yeah. and, the, and the beat before that where suddenly they've been picked on again as yeah. adults in the same way that they were yeah. at high school I was fucking furious I was so cross <laughs> but it's,
1: a, it's a film about yeah it, it really gets you but it's a it's it obviously has a female friendship at the core of it, but it yeah. also has this amazing message. It's a film about being bullied in high school and and carrying that on into your adult life. Yeah. and the the message of the film isn't just bullying is bad and friends are good. The moral of the film is also everyone feels like they were bullied at school. Everyone thinks they're the underdog, and everyone yeah. thinks someone else bullied them at school. And you find out at the end, not just I mean, we're getting to the end very quick, but not just that they confront their bullies, but also their people they bullied inadvertently or whose feelings they hurt come forward as well. And it just turns out that everyone at high school, at their high school and our high school and whatever, had a bad time. I really thought you guys had it made in high school. Us? Yes,
2: you with your long hair and your long legs, walking on your legs, flipping your hair.
1: Can't compete with that. You made Sandy crazy. And the whole time you were making my life hell... The A Group was making your life hell. I didn't know, and no one knew about it because they were too busy thinking about their own. Yeah. Thing. And it's such a beautiful message that everyone is capable of cruelty. Yes, yeah, so I think that, yeah. that's the, the, the internet.
0: I think I, I got towards <laughs> the end, The first time watching this, and rewatching. Every time I rewatch yeah. it, I get a thrill in my stomach as I realise it's going towards that inevitable denouement mm. when it'll be revealed what's going on.
1: You know what? I bet in high school everybody made somebody's life hell. Mm-mm, not me. Never had the opportunity to make anyone's life hell. You know what? I bet that's not true. You were really unpleasant. You think? Oh, yeah. And
0: obviously, let's be honest about this. This is not a film that is heavy on plot.
1: Oh or... no, there's plot holes in it. You can drive a car it doesn't through it. It doesn't matter. That's another reason why I love it because you can't comedy nerd out about yes. it in the way that you can that something that's perfect and pick it to pieces because it's not perfect. The plot is there's a 20 Paper minute thin. dream sequence in the middle yeah. the, there's a plot hole related to that dream sequence that, that makes no fucking sense no how many <laughs> how you try to slice it you can explain certain things that are just like well the characters might have done that and that's fine but there's certain bits and you're just like no but it doesn't care bad what it, what it yeah. does
0: is it doesn't care but it's got to, it's running at two levels all the way through which I think is incredibly sophisticated and incredibly rare it's very silly and it's just trying to delight you yeah. all it is it's like a it made me think of I'm going to start here. I'm going to go in. I'm going to say it made me think of the Merry Wives of Windsor. It's like one of those Shakespeare plays <laughs> that's, that's got that's got no that, that goodness in a, it at all.
2: Wasn't on Tom and Ben's list. No, was no it? I know. No.
0: But it, it remind I saw that recently, which is basically just a big sitcom with of mistaken identity and lots of cuckoldry and Anyway, mm. he's not trying to do anything here apart from make everyone happy. All this is trying to do is make you happy, and you go, well, okay. Well, you could do one of those mm-hmm. movies. It is an Austin Powers. It is a, a Bill and Ted. It's just about delight. Mm. And it's not meant to... Nothing's supposed to get in the way of you just being entertained and thoroughly thrilled. But as the meat of it kicks in, and the meat Mm. of it isn't to do with plot or story, the meat of it's to do with characters, Mm. and it says that it has a message, and the message is, you were all bullied, and you all bullied. And this goes on into your life. And whenever you think that you're the victim, you're very often someone else is the victim underneath you We're part of a circle mm. of abuse and meanness and
1: fear and yeah
0: and it's that's an incredibly sophisticated thing and a very sophisticated thing to do in a, a movie whose only job is to be silly yeah. and mm. dress up and dance around
1: well it sort of came off the back of um, it, the, the studio wanted a female Wayne's World was the remit for it and it came off the back of things like Clueless and those kind of things that were sort of silly girly the costumes were going to be amazing it was going to have a great soundtrack same costume
0: stuff. designer as Clueless yes. it looks the same it's brightly it? Oh. coloured it looks like Jelly Babies Sweets. Yes, exactly. Yes.
1: But the, and, and then to un- as you say, underpinning that with this amazing script by Robin Schiff, who I adore, and then directed by David Merkin and who was from The Simpsons,
0: Simpsons showrunner uh, for season C- yeah. five.
1: And what's really interesting about it is that they didn't see eye to eye on so much oh. of the film. Yeah, no, he he had a very particular kind of vision for it, which I think when you read interviews with them, which are obviously done with the benefit of hindsight and all that kind of stuff, is that Robin Schiff was completely unhappy with his edit, and he cut out loads of breathing space because he's Simpsons and, he, and joke, 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 yeah. joke, joke. But when you listen to his version of events, his oral history, he says that he sort of introduced the dance sequence at the end and all these other moments that are really big emotional things that stay with you. So I, th- I find it really interesting. It's, it's not a, fi- it's a sort of harmonious, we had such a great time on set kind of film. It's actually a film made by lots of people who really had a particular idea of what were they making. When you, when, <laughs> you,
0: when you hear the accounts from Lisa Cadro and from Mira um, uh, Savino. They say it was really hard. And what's weird is it looks like they're really good friends and, it, and that, that glows out of it. There's a good chemistry and a good dynamic. But they said there were loads of takes. Nothing was done in one take. The Improvisation was at mm-hmm. the end of when you'd nailed the take, you were allowed to mess around. But it was a very disciplined, very complicated, mm-hmm. big shoot. It's a $17 million movie, which is a, a reasonable budget and for most a most of movie. the
1: money was spent on the soundtrack. Yes,
0: yeah, Cindy Lauper. I think it cost $240,000 to yeah. get time after time.
1: Which is worth really? every penny. When we get to it, when we get to that <laughs> bit, it is worth Every penny. But like, it, yeah, that yeah. is
0: to do with, with giving it an atmosphere and giving it a feel. It's a movie that's all about feel and you buy that feel mm. from beat one when you first meet the girl. Should I, we
1: summarise the plot for people who yeah. might not go and watch it? And if you do not go do go and watch it and you don't love it, it's fine. Maybe it's just not for you. Maybe you're, it's is just fine. But if, you It's know, a film that
0: belongs to people, I think. It
1: really does. I think it's a
0: bit like when... One of the strange things that happens to, to canonical comedy films. And I was, I was going to say something. I will say something that I will stand up. I love this film as much as I pretend to love With Nail and I. <laughs> now, I love With Nail and I, yeah. but I don't love it as much as I love this one. I, and I think the thing about With Nail and I is because it's a huge classic for me, it's obviously a great movie and things, yeah. people say they like it even if it doesn't quite belong to them. You go, well, of course, it's unarguably brilliant. But I think this one I feel, because I saw it at the right age and I loved it yeah. so much, this belongs to me and I'm happy if you don't like it. Yes. Whereas with Nan and I go, well, unarguably it's brilliant. There's something about films that don't quite one hundred percent
2: work that make them yeah. belong to you more. Well I would say that I don't I didn't I've I've watched With Nan and I, which I adore, mm-hmm. um, dozens and dozens it's of times. It's fucking funny, isn't it? It's I mean it's fucking funny. But I've <laughs> but I've never found myself uh, angry or rooting for either of those characters yes. in the yes. same way that I was in this film. I'm so
1: happy you were so emotionally invested because they're... I mean, sorry, I'm going to summarise the, plot, the plot as a, as do, a prof- do. professional... It won't take long. No. Oh, the plot is there are two women who are 28 and living together in LA. They are clearly best friends. Uh, they like clothes and clubbing and watching the film Pretty Women and slagging it off. And they get an invitation to their high school reunion. And they we see lots of flashbacks to them as 18-year-olds who are, in their minds, bullied at school. They are... One of them is slightly overweight and one of them has a back brace. And they are bullied by the popular cool girls at school. Uh, One of them puts fridge magnets on her back uh, on, on, on the, on I, the got back excited when I put it Hi back brace girl, it's horrible, you get really... Oh, well
0: horrible. I put the DVD yeah. in and I put the titles on, I'm sitting watching with my wife last night and I, got, I squealed as it went into why I'm
1: thinking about the French magnets, I was excited the <laughs> French horrible. magnets were coming. It's so <laughs> awesome so they, they sort of, yeah, so we see all these flashbacks to them at high school and then they decide they're going to go to their high school reunion but they're going to pretend they have turned out to be much better people. Than yeah, they and, were,
2: and their reunion is in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. So they're they they're going there with some LA swagger, basically. Yes, yeah,
1: so, so they're going to pretend that their lives are perfect because they the, the, the Robin Schiff, when she said that because she created these characters, and we should talk about how she came up with yeah. these characters because it's all Groundlings, um, and you, you know that that sort of Elvira, Pee wee Herman. That's the Groundlings sort of generates these character based things that that uh, you know very American way of doing things. Um, but she created these characters, uh, Lisa Kudrow. Apparently, the second that she said... Hey, remember that time I barfed from bad Mexican food? It was so gross. Oh, my God, I hate throwing up in public. Me too! Uh. Me too! Yeah, me too! And the way she said, apparently, that was absolutely the key... Uh, for Robin Schiff the character it's like she overheard these two girls talking in a toilet and she wrote a play about it called Ladies Room which is two girls talking in a toilet and it's just that kind of inane kind of babble between women where it's just like I love your dress I love your dress I hate throwing up in public ah me too Um, and (laughs) I can't do it justice it's one of those moments where she got out of the way of the performer and realised just how brilliant but that phrase pops up all the way through the film she had to then come up with all these things when she was trying to write a movie script what would be the funniest situation to put these two women in? these two best friends and she thought about the high school reunion thing. I thought about them filling out the form and not realizing until the moment they filled out the form for their high school reunion, where it says, "What's your job? What's your marital status? What's your that their lives were a bit shit." She thought that was a really funny idea that you would spend ten years going, "Our lives are amazing. We live in L.A. We've got this," and then actually, sort of going, "Oh God, our jobs are crap." It's and a really it's- good yeah. joke
0: about being twenty eight, and you yeah. go, "You could get to twenty eight having there's a, the thing when you're a teenager of the biggest thing you don't want to do is give up yeah all the fun." So well, you go, well, as long as I haven't given up the fun, then I've won. And you get 28, and there's that thing that is to do, that's a very the pressure on women in women's magazines mm. and things like that, to go, well, what have you got by now? Have you got the husband? Yeah. And the, are you still single? Have you got children? And then to tick off having completely succeeded on their own terms, not surrendering a bit of themselves, mm-hmm. to then go, but by the standards of our culture, we've failed. the standards failed. of
1: the people who we were at high school with, who failed. intimidated us and shaped our insecurities that we have today, we have failed. So they Brilliant dis- observation. They decide that they're going to go back to the uh, reunion and pretend to be more successful than they are. And they do this by uh, putting on business suits like the uh, women, like the models in Vogue and pretending they invented post-its. I know. Why don't we say that we own our own company? Oh, good. Like what? Like what if we invented something? Like what? Well, okay, I, I think it should be like something that, that everybody has heard about, but but nobody really knows who invented it. Oh, my God, I've got it. Post-its. Everybody knows what post-its are. Yeah. They're the little yellow things with the stick on the back, right? Oh. And the, and, and the one of the most quotable lines from the thing is them going uh, to a, a, a roadside cafe and ordering. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Um, we need something to go. OK. Do you have some sort of businesswoman special? Because we're business women, we're going to Tucson <laughs> for business. And this brilliant waitress has looked at them and just goes, What kind of business are you girls in? And the That's their a brilliant performance crumbling isn't grumbling as they realise <laughs> they, they have, a- have not thought about what business they're in until they decide to come up with the idea that they invented post it <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently
0: was it was inspired by watching the monkeys. Yeah. Because Mike Nesmith's mum invented Tippex, and she wanted oh, something yeah. as as improbable but obviously unarguably a good business idea yeah. as, as inventing Tippex. I love that, because at that point in the movie, it, you've enjoyed them messing about mm. and being these two friends, and you've seen Trying
1: them. to get their lives together. They, 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 there's a brilliant bit where they say they've got two weeks before the <laughs> reunion uh, to get their lives together. OK. Well, the reunion is still, like, two weeks away, right? Right. And all we really need is maybe some, like, better jobs and boyfriends, right? Yeah. But, OK, if those things were so easy to get, wouldn't we already have them? Well... I mean we never really tried before. I mean we never really had a good enough reason like going to a reunion to motivate us. That's true. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's now a, you've got a reason. But also that's plot. They're telling you the plot. It's but great. it's brilliant.
0: At that point you go, "Well, I get where this film's going to go now." Cuz you go, yeah. we've had them having fun. I you know who the characters are. I know in a conventional movie that isn't just character based mm. and isn't going to do what this eventually <laughs> does, which is just put the clutch down and free wheel for, down the hill. Yeah, going,
1: we, we, we all spend 20 minutes of seeing these girls try to get better jobs, try to get boyfriends. We boy know friends, what's going to happen, they're going to get
0: caught out. What's yeah. great about this yeah. movie, especially if you're a writer, is that it goes, I don't care. Do you know what? If I didn't care, if yeah. I set up all these jeopardies and went, well, what terrible things will happen when they get found out? And it doesn't pay off on any of them. It does it all at a lovely low stakes that just allows you to enjoy the people and yeah. what they're doing. It's, it's, yes,
1: yeah, so they that, get caught out, they confront their bullies and they go back to, to, into the union on their own terms and everyone thinks they're brilliant. End of film.
0: It is a makeover film yeah. completely yeah. on different For terms. For being themselves. And it's yeah. it's every bit of that is a beat that you've seen. But when you see these movies that follow those beat patterns, I remember being so angry at the movie School of Rock that I could barely speak, <laughs> which is a film about rebellion that does it by following... It Sarah
1: Silverman's horrifying roller shrill girlfriend it's, one? No, or something. It, is, it is
0: just the fact that it's about rebellion and it is boilerplate Disney plotting from beginning to end, yeah. literally not a rebellious beat has got into it. It literally is. It could have been about anything. It could have been. It could have been a 1970s Disney movie. It's so the fact that it could be converted by Julian Fellows and Andrew Lloyd Webber tells you everything about how rebellious oh, that film is. It's but, a shuddering anyways, combination. But isn't yeah. what <laughs> this movie? I think we should all
1: is. go to the matinee after this. <laughs> it's just around the corner. Isn't it? <laughs> but
0: what, what this movie is, is it's completely on rails for hitting all the beats about you feeling for them, about about unfairness, mm. about hits all those mm. children's movie beats. But delightfully, it never feels by, by numbers. It's always surprising.
1: It's obviously. so weird as well. That's what's so wonderful <laughs> yeah. about it. There's so many weird lines. And I, I hope this just stood out for you, Jason, as well. there's this bit in that where, Romy's job is to get them boyfriends in time for the reunion. So she goes to a nightclub and she gets chatting to a nice guy in a nice suit. And she goes, nice suit, is that Armani? Uh, and he goes, yes. And she goes, what do you do for a living? And he says, I'm a suit salesman. And she just stares at him and just goes, I'm sorry, I have to go. I cut my foot earlier and my shoe's filling up with blood. And <laughs> <It> just walks <laughs> off. It's lovely. We are it quoting is- bits and giggling. Yay! Yeah, that's it. I'm correct.
2: One of the nice little paradoxes about mm. it is that it's a very smart screenplay mm. with lots of really dumb dialogue. Yeah, in it. yeah, and when when the smart lines come out, you go, "Wow!"
1: Yeah, yeah. the
2: one that uh, Janine Garofalo has towards yes. the end. This dress exacerbates it's the genetic, genetic betrayal. That, betrayal that, that is, is my, my legacy. legacy. I this sing along with that one.
1: Brilliant! Yeah, <laughs> I like you both harmonized. It was beautiful. I wait, By the way,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pin in Janine Garofalo oh, here yes. because key character. I Huge, thought. Yeah. That the most I'd ever seen an actor enjoying themselves on screen was Michael Palin in the biggest dicker scene, <laughs> <of the laughs> Life of Brian. But Janine Garofalo absolutely knocks that one aside. Oh, I've never seen an actor the whole thing. Oh yeah, I've never seen an actor enjoying herself more. Yeah. She is so close to corpsing the whole fucking yeah. time. Well,
1: she's peak. She, this is peak Janine Garofalo for the '90s. She's in Mister Show. She's in all those kind of things. She is. She is absolutely welded in h- comedy history as grumpy, gothy. Too much eye makeup.
0: When she takes (laughs) her sunglasses off and she looks the same. Under the sunglasses, she's got
1: so much black eye Like a panda. I don't know where I get my aesthetic from, but it is absolutely Heather Mooney from Sagebrush High in Tucson? Yeah. It's Romy. Romy White! You're shitting me. No, this is so weird. I didn't know you were living in LA. Well, now that you know, will we be getting together a lot? Uh, she was a nerd at school. She's uh, friends with Sandy Frink, who is Alan... Oh, God, there's so many great things, yeah. in the show, But we are going way up. But, uh, but her character is great because she's, she's this grumpy woman. Uh, uh, she was a grumpy teenager. She's now a grumpy woman who's a hugely successful businesswoman who's invented this kind of quick-burning paper so that you can enjoy a cigarette. So, God, you're driving a new Jaguar? What do you do? Ever hear of Lady Fair cigarettes? The ones that burn down real fast? Twice the taste and half the time for the gal on the go. I invented the quick-burning paper. <laughs> and she chain smokes the whole film. She's covered in eye makeup. She's not happy at all, despite being a millionaire. You going to the reunion? What reunion? Our 10 year high school reunion in Tucson. You're kidding me. It's been 10 years since high school? God, where have I been? I'm stumped. Where? <laughs> anyway, are you going? I'd rather put this out in my ass. And yet, she's really drawn to Romeo and Michelle because she hates Michelle so much because. The boy she was in love with, Sandy Frank, Alan Cumming, was in love with Michelle. And again, it's the, as you say, it's this, it's this circle of thing where you, you know, Michelle doesn't really know that Sandy Frank fancies her. Uh, Ginny character has no idea. It can't tell Sandy Frank how she feels. And this reunion is all sort of. It's all. It's, it's going to bubble up. It's all going to explode. <laughs> Do you want to dance? I mean, uh, it's just because this song is, like, so great. I mean, never mind. <laughs>
0: Unless, you know, you, you want to. Yeah, I mean, sure, why not? It's got really simple yeah. romantic lines in it mm. that are enormously complicated once you start to untie them. You go, well, actually, in terms of playing the characters off, off each other, it's quite complicatedly drawn. Mm. There's a lovely... Alan Cumming said something brilliant about his part. He went, oh, I get to play the girl.
1: Yeah. And oh, the lovely thing is, yeah. he gets
0: to play the girl. He gets to play two different versions of the girl. Got an awful weird dream sequence version of the girl with a, with, with Brad Pitt's jaw, which is yeah. very odd.
1: Um, do you want to talk about the massive Sandy Frank plot hole? <laughs> Are we
0: can do the massive Sandy Frank plot hole? We can do it because there's a big yeah. dream sequence at twenty minutes 20 long minutes, in the middle of it. Yeah. Can I
2: can I bring my naivete to the party yes. here? Hi. I didn't. Realize that was a dream sequence right. until quite a long yeah, way I mean, into it. not, it's, it's, deliberately not so. it's not flagged, is it? No, it's
1: wonderful when you watch it again, uh, like at 6,000 times, you start realizing when there are so many things that tell you it's a dream sequence.
0: The doors open before she touches them, the
1: doors open before she touches them. There are decorations all around the reunion hall that are shaped like the fridge magnets that were stuck on Michelle's back when she had the back brace. Oh, fuck, they all like the, missed all that. They were that. all fruit and vegetables shaped like broccoli and banana and oh, cherries. But, he, uh, and but you're not meant to clock it. You're not meant to. It just sort of goes in. It was
2: only the moment where the cars were in the room that I thought, what
1: <laughs> yeah. the fuck's going on? What, what the car's Not when she gets hit, hit by a car and rolls over it 15 <laughs> times and then just this. oh, come oh. on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, ow, 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 ow. Oh, oh. cunt. On. No, That's I just thought
2: it was fast. I mean,
1: it, yeah, it's I mean, it's hilarious. I,
0: I suppose the, the thing is that it's already heightened by the time you go to a dream sequence, so it already feels like a sort of strange dream. Yeah. there's a beautiful thing because the color se- color palette is so over the top mm. and it's brilliant. I love the way that Janine Garofalo is uh, and her eventual bow, the cowboy Justin through, are the only people in black. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're they're hot. They're, hu- they're, they're cut like holes in space yeah. out <laughs> of this day glow jelly baby world. It's brilliant. <laughs> mm. They just sit there, and so everything is so heightened. That when you go to the dream sequence, it feels like a very small. shift and then only when people start floating over the top of the car and things and obviously the key line which is I couldn't find my top
1: Um, I'm sorry I couldn't find my top
0: Yes. which I think is delivered about as well as any line has ever been delivered.
1: Yeah, that is, so it's, the whole thing is Michelle's dream, which you sort of... Yeah, you're completely right. You're not meant to sort of realise it's a... Major, also, and it's a also, weird beat for a film to have a massive dream. Also, Before you get to the reunion, you see a fake version of the reunion. And also,
0: and also, her dream features Romy and has things that Romy's doing in it that she
1: couldn't possibly Yeah, we cut, see. A, we cut away from her <laughs> to conversations that she's having at the, at the reunion. The, and, they're so close, they are in each other's dreams. Yes, it's and the, well, the, I mean, that absolutely... Uh, the thing is, you can justify most weird plot things in it by that's the carriage. The only thing that doesn't make any sense at all okay. is Sandy Frink. In the real world of the thing, we know that Sandy Frank is... Also a millionaire because yeah. he's also an inventor because he invented a certain kind of rubber that's used in every kind of trainer in North America, sneaker in North America. And Vomi and Michelle do not have this information to hand at all. And yet Michelle, for twenty minutes of her dream sequence, dreams that he's so rich he can buy himself a new face, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he's got this beautiful like prosthetic uh, plastic it's, surgery. It's yeah, really he's, good. The procedures. It's good, isn't, isn't it? it? Apparently, he like picked out like body parts. You want like Brad Pitt's chin and stuff like that, um, and Baldwin's lips. Are Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful one where Alan Cumming is believable as a heterosexual man. That's mm. how camp this film yeah. is.
2: Michelle, after all these years, you still take my breath away.
1: Thanks.
0: And also, it's got this odd aesthetic that's almost... The, the fetishisation of clothes isn't even female. It's almost like drag. And there was a, there was a thing. Savino said that she, her body language, she wanted to be, especially in the dance routines, yeah. like a linebacker in drag.
1: But yeah. there's a
0: sort of fetishization of clothes and the identity through clothes that almost feels not even what two girls would be like. It's heightened well, beyond it's drag that.
1: Drag queens love Roméo and Michelle for lots of reasons, but if you know, because it's a brilliant film, but also because it's about two women who can't afford. Like they're clearly poor. It's not clueless where everyone's rich. These are yeah. two women who we never hear about their parents, we never hear about their background, but clearly they have no money when they're at high school and they make all their own clothes and uh, in adult life that turns out to be a very important plot point in the in the thing that, that making their own clothes is how they express themselves um, it's really important to to the drag community because it's about like expressing yourself through your clothes and making your own yeah, outfits yeah. you can't just buy yeah. things off the peg you've got yeah. to make stuff for your body and that's why they look amazing throughout the whole film because they, they've they made a virtue out of hang on what's the way around necessity out of virtue what's the there's, yeah. and there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's
0: lovely bits their characters aren't, do come to it it's really really weird when they wear their business suits and even though they look great in those business yeah. suits Yeah. well that's not quite them and at the end of it there's a lovely detail. That Savino asked for Star Trek detailing in her mm. in her final prom dress because mm. she's a big Star Trek nerd. Every bit of it is about them expressing themselves. Well, it's there's
1: a, when they when the when we see the first prom uh, the, when they're eighteen and they are graduating from high school <laughs> and everyone else as uh, Michelle puts it so beautifully, everyone else, all the other girls are dressed like they're going to a hoedown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all wearing flouncy, boring bridesmaids dress kind of prom gowns, and Romeo and Michelle are dressed like. 1989 Madonna two like, two, two 90, Madonna's yeah, yeah. Different two nine, Madonnas. different Madonna's oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you look so good with blonde hair and black roots it's not even funny again don't know where I get my aesthetic from but <laughs> what, what's lovely about it and
0: it's building towards the fight when yeah. you're thinking how would you how would you plot a film like this that is deliberately light on plot and light mm. on obviously you want all those brilliant denouements and payoffs and, and, and yeah. punishments—things all pay off beautifully. It's really cleverly done.
1: Yeah, and the bullies—we should—we haven't really talked about the bullies. Yes. And they are horrible. They, they put fridge magnets on their back. They steal their food. They very torture heathers. them. They yeah, they play horrible pranks on them. They're really horrible women. They
0: really are, aren't they? And Do you then, want to know a lovely fact about the about the bullies? Oh, this you, is this is my favourite trivia fact. I sure, found this I, out today. Okay, you might know this. Julia Campbell, who plays Christy Masters, the head bully. Yeah. When she was 11, she was a ballerina and she was retired from ballerina because she had scoliosis and had (gasps) to wear a metal back brace at school. So she is the one who bullies Michelle for having a back brace and she went through that at school. And I think that's a lovely detail.
1: That is. The
2: the thing with every time she turns her head, it
1: squeaks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What a beautiful touch that is.
1: Hi, Michelle. Gee, Michelle, you're
2: looking really lovely today.
1: Okay, see you in biology.
0: Oh, it's just, I just that suddenly gave it a depth, and you went, oh, even the actors and things are probably mm. channeling. Everyone felt like this at school it's, it's it, incredibly empathetic about what it feels like to be excluded that lovely thing where they're describing who is the A group who is the B group yeah.
2: were we the C group we weren't even the C group
1: yeah there was we the were drama donors. group there was yep. this group there <laughs> was, they, yeah. they,
2: they just end up being in the background of the high school photos don't
1: they yeah, yeah. All, of,
0: all the t- yeah. They're not uh, li- lovely line do you remember the fuss we had about getting our high school photograph taken together <laughs> in the yearbook <laughs> they're the only people who've got a photo with both of them in yeah. because they're, they are in that lovely situation which you do in, a, in a, especially in American high school where it's all very hierarchical where if you've only got one friend then that'll be in Because that's your gang. That's
1: your group, yeah. And to go back to the the, the bullies as well, at the end, when they are even more horrible women at the end, (laughs) uh, when they are... And they're all pregnant and... Yeah, which sort of
2: confers them some virtue, doesn't it? Which they... They're absolutely confound by being fucking awful. Yeah, they're them.
1: horrible women. But then you actually sort of start thinking about... If you're 28 and you've had three kids and you've clearly not left the town where yeah. this high school is and yeah. you've married your high school sweetheart, they're riddled with insecurities about these yeah. two women coming in from L.A. in their business suits and all that kind of stuff. And so you get why they start undermining them and chipping away yeah. at them immediately. <laughs> God, you're so weird. <laughs> why don't you just leave her alone? Michelle. Oh! It's the back brace girl. Hi, back brace girl.
2: It, I, it reminded me a little bit um, of This Is Spinal Tap. Yes. Because in This Is Spinal Tap, when we when we recorded a, an episode about that with Sue Perkins, we were talking about these, these two little boys and their friendship because yes. that's what they are. And I thought in this one, these are two little girls yes. trying to be grown-ups, even when they're not... Mm. Trying to dress up to do, you know, we're successful LA like, post-it millionaires. <laughs> yeah, Even yeah. when they're just being themselves, they're still two little girls trying to be grown ups, aren't they? They're trying well, to work out adulthood.
1: Absolutely. And I and I think the language that Robin Schiff uses in the dialogue is really it's so beautifully chosen because it's so simple, it's not Baroque and yep. it's not yep. with nailey Actually the, the
0: They've got their own way of talking that you can copy. Absolutely. Like 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 Bill and Ted or Wayne's world, but it's not complicated.
1: But the big the big speech that they do at the end, which makes everyone cry, I right? <laughs> <laughs> when they confront the bullies and I would like uh, The Quiet One, Jason Hathaway to do a dramatic reading of the last speech from reading. I have uh, got my the, readers with me It's such a beautiful speech and the language of it is so simple it is the language of a child and it absolutely is, is so moving
2: What the hell is your problem, Christy? Why the hell are you always such a nasty bitch? I mean, okay, so Michelle and I did make up some stupid lie We only did it because we wanted you to treat us like human beings but you know what I realised? I don't care if you like us because we don't like you you're a bad person with an ugly heart and we don't give a flying fuck what you think. (laughs) A bad person with an ugly Ugly heart. heart. I mean, and most of it is one syllable, isn't it? It's lovely. I am
1: crying. (laughs) Are you? (laughs) My God. It's so moving.
0: There's that that dynamic about saying everyone has it within them to be mean Mm. and when Janine Grofflow finds out that she hurt... Toby's feelings. She's delighted because yeah. go. Oh, I was always a victim, but to find out the oh, you, you really upset me. Oh, good.
2: Did
1: yeah, I? Because you feel yeah, that Yeah, There's power. only one character in it who you could say probably didn't ever bully anyone, and that's Toby, who's a very extraordinarily upbeat character throughout the whole film. Oh, yeah. Great
2: performance. Yeah. Great performance. She's just there to be told to fuck off. Really,
1: <laughs> yeah, <isn't laughs> fuck off, Toby. Yeah.
2: But
0: at the end, she she ends up triumphant. She ends up. You you. There's an always empathy for her and things. Yeah, she doesn't get to bully anybody, but you wonder whether there's someone off stage. Oh, there see? Like, is, there's yeah. a cycle of people who are bullied. Your thing about them being little girls, and I, I was trying mm. to work out why this film is magical and unique, and I think it is, there are endless films, like Spinal Tap, that, in which men are allowed and excused behaving like their nine-year-old selves. Mm, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they've usually got the girlfriends on the poster with their arms crossed, rolling their eyes. The yeah. standard thing, with a, a, a Zach Galifianakis or a Seth Rogen movie in which the guy takes no responsibility and a woman goes, when are you going to grow up? There are, I think, I'm trying to count them now, n- one film where two nine-year-old girls were allowed to still be nine-year-old girls and it's all in that dance routine at the end where they dance like (laughs) nine-year-old girls. I'm so glad you loved it, Jason.
1: worth every penny of the quarter oh. of a million dollars that Time After Time cost. It is beautiful. It is
2: so preposterous and gorgeous. Yeah, oh. it? It's
1: mo- it makes you feel everything at the same time we when you watch that dance. We can't do it justice. We can't do it. Watch it. Watch oh, the film. It's it, it's wonderful. It's about the two friends. It's Alan coming somehow magically. It's not the dream sequence. It's actually meant to be real. If he actually know, knows all the moves that they're yeah. doing. But they're, yeah. they're, they're,
0: they're together he's, but apart. Yeah. There's a brilliant thing where Lisa Cutterow is just, he, it takes a while to notice, is just posing because she's not a natural dancer, so mm. she just poses and is like a model. And uh, Mira Silvino did ballet class as a kid, so she's jumping mm. around in her th- in her bare feet, doing mm. pirouettes. Like it happens at Christmas, where you get kids around and they say, "I'm yes. going to do a show it's for exactly you." Exactly
1: like children yeah. dancing and at a wedding. Yeah. In fact, oh. if I am ever oh. at a wedding in time after time comes on, find me. <laughs> we will do. I know every move. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What uh, David Merkin did was originally the dance routine at the first prom was just going to be staying alive like a comedy dance routine. They would do a bit of some Napoleon Dynamite it's like mm. naff 80s dancing.
1: The, yeah. Which uh, they do in the club and it's very funny as they, well. They clearly spend a lot of time practising dance routines which yeah. is again what girls do. It's they, a good they, setup, up dancing
0: on. from the mirror kind of thing. Yeah. But they, so they do that and the important thing is that the first prom, they couldn't find partners to dance with. They, yeah. got, they, got, they got stood up, and so they danced together. And in the final dance, where finally Sandy Frank asks Michelle to dance, and she goes, only if Romy can dance too. I didn't want her to see her dance with the boy. I wanted to yeah. see her dance with her friend. And it's like Wannabe by the Spice Girls. It's the same <laughs> message. You've got to get with... Me. It's that thing. It's a very similar era saying, there's no point looking for romance as the answer if you're going to lose your friends.
1: If you fall, I'll get you away. Well, the, the, the fact that it you, you could never in a million years describe this as a rom-com, a heterosexual rom-com. It's a, no. it's a story about the romance, romance between two women, you know, platonic, non-lesbian, they say, made that very clear at the beginning of the film. Uh, only, I, if, uh, only if we're still single at 30. Yeah, exactly. Ask me again. Yeah, ask me again. I yeah. And it's so thrown away, that line. There's no, there's no, like, uh in it. It's just like, oh, the idea of sleeping with a woman skis me out. Yeah. But ask me again when I'm 30, sure. Uh, uh, and, and then it's never touched on again. They're just in love with each other. They're just a loving couple, uh, heterosexual life partners. But the it's not a rom-com between even though uh, Michelle gets together with Sandy Frank spoiler alert it, from the beginning of the film it is very obvious that these two women don't care about anything except each other probably coming from broke backgrounds they want they want to have money and security and I, again, the second she finds out that Sandy Frank has some money, it's like, well, I'm going to get together with Sandy Frank then. And that's so, but it's not but mean only, or it's venal. A, it's it's only, just like a given. It's
0: only an answer to get her the money so she can stay with
1: Rome. Yeah, so they open a shop selling if things I, and let's fold scarves. Let's fold scarves. <laughs> final <laughs> line. That's
0: as good as nobody's perfect as a final oh. line.
1: Let's fold scarves. Okay.
0: <laughs> there's, there's a brilliant line in one of the dream sequences where it suddenly cuts to seventy years later and they're old. Yeah, and she's with Sandy Frink and they're both old and aging makeup. And he goes, "Were you, were you terribly unhappy? No, just lonely with no one to talk." to. <laughs> And so you're told that 25 minutes before the end, that even if she gets together with the man of her dreams, it okay. won't be enough.
1: No, because, because they've had a big fight and they're not talking to each other and they don't talk to each other for 70 years. Oh, in the, in oh the, the, so, years. the
0: source of the route, I mean, it's a French and Saunders sketch, yeah. the source of the route. Mm. The source of the route is the perfect low-stakes yeah. nine-year-olds' route. Yeah. They fall out with almost no reason while driving dressed as businesswomen. over which one's the Mary and which one's the Rhoda from the Mary Tyler
1: And, and, and which one of them was more likely to have invented post-its <laughs> and which one would have just have said, let's make them yellow.
0: And obviously, so... <laughs> the only thing about that is, watching it, you go, but that's your characters. One of you's the ideas person and one of you is the fashion person. Yeah, which, which comes together exactly right.
1: beautifully at the end when they <laughs> yeah. talk about their lovely dresses that they made and bought out, bring out the car, their beautiful Star Trek dresses, where it's just like, well, I designed them, we both made them. And it's just... oh.
0: It's great because the jeopardy is that That they've fallen out No one has made them fall out There's no person to destroy Even the bullies haven't made them fall out They've Mm. fallen out on their own terms So they can come together on their own terms It's brilliant Mm. The, The threat to the beautiful friendship you're watching Is really small So you're kind of all the way through going, I know they're not really going to not be friends. So it makes it even more... There's not a moment where you've not got constant joy watching this because you know they're not really in Mm. danger. Mm. Though it is horrible to watch them not be friends.
2: You can feel it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really uncomfortable that bit. But the nice... There's a strange ending, I thought, because, because it's sort of... It's almost convincing. You go... Uh, Michelle has got her man. Romy is sort along of, for the, Romy's yeah, along yeah. for the ride. Yeah, and they basically they they float into the sky and take off
1: in a helicopter, they an helicopter
2: <laughs> which is um, leaving
1: behind Ramo- R- Ramon's car that they have borrowed yes, at the beginning baby, of the yes. film, his, abandoning it forever. His, his That's Jaguar, a plot, but I don't care. I love, I love Jaguar. I love how the Americans
2: say Jaguar. Jaguar, Jaguar garage. Jaguar. She works in a Jaguar. She
0: works in a Jaguar garage. A jaguar, yeah, garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. jaguar garage. Jaguar garage. they borrow
1: the post Jaguar off Ramon and then and then they Ramon and then they. Completely abandon it, and I don't care because that's exactly the kind of thing they do. They just do yeah, it. they don't care. But
2: the lovely <laughs> thing is that it, even though you're going, well, hang on, there's a spare part in this helicopter, isn't there? You know, in the in the form yeah. of Romy but Sandy Frank, Sandy Sprink is
1: the because
2: because they are. And then I and then I went, oh, that's why she was wearing a three of hearts t-shirt in that earlier oh. scene, isn't it? Because it's three hearts. Oh, that's oh. what it is, isn't oh. it? I never, that.
1: never spotted that. or oh, you think they were a throuple? At the no, end. I don't think, <laughs> they were, I don't think they we're a problem, That's though. a hell of a reading.
2: <laughs> no, I just think that they, they all love each other for different reasons. Yeah, and yes. so These are the three of hearts rising into the sky. There you oh, go. That's, that's, oh,
1: that's beautiful. And
2: the ending, the tacked on ending, which isn't tacked on, it's the proper ending, was mm.
0: added by David Merkin. Because originally mm-hmm. I think it ended with them going to the sky. And the end of a high school reunion movie, the makeover, they come in, they've been themselves, and therefore they're rewarded with Millionaire's Helicopter. That lovely line wouldn't the only thing that would make this better is if everyone came out to watch us take off, which yeah, they immediately they do. do. Yeah, yeah. So you take off, yeah. and it's basically the end of Greece they go up into the sky yeah. and 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 then it cuts to the two of them together without Sandy Frank yeah and david Merkin is In a bang shop on shop
1: on rodeo drive it falls yeah. oh, you
0: you don't care about the romance you want oh. to see the two of them together no, and yeah, it's absolutely. beautiful yeah
1: yeah and, the romance and they get they get to yeah. give Head of the gift of clothes. She's been given the gift of fashion. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, I love it. She plucks out her eyebrow hair uh, and she freaks out and she goes, Don't come near my bikini line. And, and Michelle has no idea what she's talking no. about and just goes, Okay, I won't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can we, sorry, can we just do, they are brilliant, the two of them. Ah. I really, really, love Lisa Kudrow. I think she's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amira Savino, I thought, was fantastic. So I loved her in, in things. She'd won an Oscar by the time. Yep. So. This is and her Golden o- Globe. This yeah. is her Oscar follow-up film for Mighty Aphrodite. And again, fuck the Oscars. I've never watched more, uh, Mighty oh. Aphrodite more than once. It's I have watched this Thousands yeah. of times.
1: Mighty Aphrodite was yeah. She just won the Oscar. It was a prestigious role. Her big, uh, you know, Woody Allen and Regardless, of, nothing at all to do with Woody Allen and, and, yeah. and what people say about it and all that kind of stuff. Literally, it's a horrible, weird performance that she's given that she sort of made this choice with this funny voice and it's so soulless. Like she's brilliant. She's yeah. a brilliant actress, but it's a horror. It's a horrible, mean joke. Which I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, the, the plot of Mighty Aphrodite is that Woody Allen, who is Woody Allen, has this lovely adopted son and he decides he's going. To meet the mother of the who gave up the child, oh, right. and she turns out to be a sex worker, and not only as that, but she also has a funny voice, and she's quite bad taste in things, and is quite working class. And oh, that's a the person. joke. She's a vulgar person oh, who collects things like pottery penises and stuff like that, and it's like. That's really? the joke. It's a it's
0: snob. horrible. Snob it's comedy. It's
1: horrible. And, and he sort of does this py- Pygmalion thing, trying to make her over so that when the son seeks out the mother... And it's, it's oh, such a okay, horrible, okay, mean-spirited okay, well, role. She's brilliant, but then I love that the, her next role was this. And she must have had to wrestle with, am I going to do another idiot character. She was going out at Quentin Tarantino when they made this film. There's a red apple cigarette sign in the background which means that it's part of the Tarantino It's universe. happening in the background of Pulp Fiction. Yes. This is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but they are oh so... man, this thing's got tentacles, <laughs> isn't
0: it? <laughs> but they are so, so, so good together. so many layers. They are so good together. It's yes. such a beautiful piece of casting. And it is, it's a buddy movie. And mm. again, there aren't many female buddy movies. It, I, was, I was listing the ones that, that people that are widely available and you can watch and watch again and again. It's mm. Thelma and Louise and this, mm. and you start And rape. they don't have
1: to die at the end. Yeah, it's no. brilliant. Yeah.
0: It celebrates it. And it's, what, we, what feels odd about this is it is unique. And you think, this works. Mm. I could watch dozens of these. I've certainly watched dozens of the boys' version of this.
1: Yeah, there's, Endless no, there's lo- and there's lots of films about female friendship, and how important they are, and Ghost World came out around the same time. Oh, uh, that's the other things. thing it
0: reminded me of. It's a bit, the hate-watching at the beginning is very very, uh, oh, yeah. very, very Ghost World. We
1: do, yeah, where they, where they hate Well, that's such a beautiful subversion of that. So Where they, they're hate-fucking-pretty-woman, and going, like, oh, like all those women who work in Rodeo Drive stores aren't mm. massive prostitutes <laughs> themselves. And they watch the scene where Julia Roberts is not... <laughs> Not allowed to shop. And Michelle just lets out this sob and just goes, I'm <laughs> just so happy when they finally let her shop. <laughs> And it's true. And it's but it's also it's the beginning of that
0: movie. What it says is this is the tone of this movie, this is who it's for. Yeah. You can see yourself reflected. If you hate oh. watch Pretty Woman, this yeah. is for you, you're in it, you don't have to be an airhead, you don't have to be it's mm. it's got the same accessibility of saying, if you like these guys and they're very likable, the first thing they see them do is something you do at home. Yeah. This understands that once you've got the carriage moving with those two characters mm. in. You can just leave it. You don't need complicated plot or anything. Just want to watch them. I love its confidence in saying that those two characters, those two actors, are enough. Yeah. Butch and Sundance style for me to just watch them do stuff.
1: Mm. And it, and it's such a simple message, which is you know, friendship's important. Which is you know, always a message worth saying But also that that everyone is an underdog. Yeah. Everyone thinks they are an underdog, and everyone has the capability of hurting someone and healing someone.
2: Have you been to a school reunion? No.
1: Have you not? God, no. Well, I went to one a few years ago. <laughs> I've um, literally burnt all my bridges on that road. <laughs> <laughs> I waved goodbye to Bristol, set fire to the Seven Bridge, and I've never been back. Don't you want to go you? back and find out who you bullied? <laughs> What do you know? Oh, God. <laughs> was it Banksy? Uh, why do you think he does all those really sad pictures there? That was, that was um, me. I, I, went to one of,
2: I went to one a few years ago, um, and it was actually a primary school reunion, right? What? Now, a it's lot big. of the people there... Remember when we
1: ate paint together? Yeah.
2: A lot of the people there had been at, at secondary school together. I hadn't. I went to a different secondary school <laughs> to most of them. So I hadn't seen some of those people there for 30 years, right? And... We not so obviously you can't say so what have you been up to because that's way too much time to cover in a conversation, mm. so we just go to what, what did you do today you know how are you getting <laughs> on had a few drinks and by the end of the evening, we all absolutely loved each other. we oh. were all so pleased to see each other again. Oh. It's a great thing. It's like that's you know that it has that kind of that core of friendship thing. It goes, it's never gone away. Last time I saw you were eleven, and now you're however old you are now, and you're lovely. But
1: that must be like a chemical memory, like something primal. Because you're not going to like, oh, remember when we built that Lego no. Lego yeah, we Robin couldn't...
2: Hood forest
1: together? No, was, like you just wouldn't.
2: There was someone there who said, "Don't you remember that um, that you, we once went into? A, there was a a, a a large concrete pipe down where some building was being <laughs> done down by the river, and we went in there. We must we must have been about 8. And 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 we kissed, and then I ran away. And And that was the film It. I've got no recollection of this whatsoever, no, No. nothing. But it was just lovely to see everybody again. And you got off
1: with them in a concrete tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Did you lose weight? Actually, I have been trying this new fat-free diet I invented. All I've had to eat for the past six days are gummy bears, jelly beans, and candy corns. God,
2: I wish I had your discipline. (laughs) Should we have some American
1: sweets? Yeah, I bought some some of Romeo and Michelle's favourite food.
2: I did the diet thing? That um, that bit where they give up dieting and then there's that shot where the camera just crawls across the biggest mountain of candy you've ever seen and they're both sitting there stuffing themselves with... I don't know what it is. And in the background, there's a cat eating a cake. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, the cat never gets mentioned again. They abandon the cat. But yes, anyway, (laughs) I bought Red Rope Rizzlers, Red red Rope Twizzlers and um, um, candy corns. I've never had candy corns, actually.
0: Isn't the rule with American switches? If you didn't grow up with them, they, they're, they're not nice. They're horrible because it's all about nostalgia. I
1: gave some Americans some uh, shrimp once, foam mm. shrimp. They were oh, yeah. very unhappy. This is, horrible. <laughs> also,
2: this is all nostalgia and nothing else. But candy corn's are quite nice. It Ooh. is. I mean, those shrimps are an acquired taste, aren't Aww. they? just an
1: odd thing to explain to someone. I know they're, they're sweets, but. In the shape of shrimp. I wonder if you
2: haven't had them before you're an adult, whether you look at them and your brain is going, but shrimp. Uh, I'm expecting I just I'm expecting yeah. seafood and yeah. all I'm getting mm. is a kind of weird sugary foamy. Oh thing. god, I'm getting an American sugar rush now. That didn't really? take long. Whoa. Nice.
0: Normally you have to choose one or the other. Yeah. You can either watch a harrowing film about, about teenage um, mm. bullying, or you can watch Ferris Bueller. And Roman Michelle's is kind of Romy and both. Michelle,
1: apart from the odd F word, is is literally a children's film. Mm. It's not even sexy, even though they're talking about romance and there's a couple of sort of vague references. To, it, it's just it's sort of sexless. It's a sexless friendship film.
0: It's that like weird thing when they're doing even the costume designer, When they're doing the gym stuff and they're yeah. wearing literally the sluttiest outfits you could wear to go to the gym.
1: But they're like, it's Bar- not sexy. No, they're Barbie dolls. They're wearing <laughs> yeah. Barbie costumes. They're wearing what what you'd put Barbie in if she was going to the gym. <laughs> Like a little strappy top with anchors on and Business it, and Barbie. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really, it's really odd because Bus- managed- they are business Barbie. Oh my god. <laughs> She looks so much like business Barbie, um, uh, Lisa Kudrow, in that bit. Fucking hell, yeah.
0: Oh, all it is, is made, this is just made of heart. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. That's why I love it. That's why I wanted to do this for this and not, uh, you know, some big complicated comedy thing where we were going to have to hold it in our hands very fragile and look at every facet.
0: Because, it, because it's just made of heart and it's made of, of love and it's, it's, it has no purpose apart from to delight you. The number of times I've read reviews of this, it gets 62% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Two stars on Empire, I read the review the yeah. other day. Yeah. and it's
0: just, it's a film really? that people go... Some
1: bloke just going, oh, yeah. I don't really like it, it's about some airheads and I didn't really yeah. understand it. It's like, it's not for you. It <laughs> is totally dismissible,
0: yeah. but that's incredibly brave. Because what you'd normally do is, halfway through the process, you'd go, we'd better put some meat in this. And they have go, mm. no, no, it's completely purged of anything apart from delight and air and the idea that... It is the sweets it's a pile of sweets yeah. this film isn't and it you yeah. know, Sometimes I mean, even the
2: colour palette does that on screen it looks like a
0: load of sweets. But it's it? a bit like saying that a Black Forest Ghetto is worthless because it doesn't have sausages in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this knows what it is and yeah. the thing about it is that those films are rare that are complete successes on the terms of being fluffy, enjoyable escapism. It's like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. It's like, it's one of those movies you can watch that will lift your mood like Singing in the Rain. Oh absolutely Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think there are enough Movies that are also formally brilliant and have depth and drama, mm-hmm. but this has got—I mean, the idea that it's easy to make one of these, there would be more of them.
1: I would defy anyone to uh, watch the time after time dance sequence and not feel happier afterwards. Not just yeah. feel a kind of a weird giddy joy in the same way that watching Singing in the Rain would make you feel like that if, yeah. you, if you can watch those three tit about like kids at a disco yeah
0: <laughs> oh, no, I think what, what sort of, I think that when we talk about it, there's rolling
1: like... when he rolls on the floor I <laughs> know <And>, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry I'm quoting bits now I'm quoting giggling. dance moves I'm quoting a dance move like, talk, put, can can talking... I put, I'm going to put a clip in
0: of that dance move and all you're going to hear is like eight notes it's fine <laughs> about it and we're, we're, we're giddy, we're, we're delightful, we're, de- we're delighting, <laughs> yeah. and we're happy. And, and the real thing is, you go, This is a comedy discussion podcast. You go, We can't really talk up Roman Michelle's. It's just really funny and lovely.
1: You go, yeah. That's all it has also, to be. If you've ever been in the pub with the three of us, we can go deep dive on like jam or something like that. <laughs> we'll spend hours, oh, did you do the props, Master? And, and, and I, this is way more fun to yeah. eat sweets with my friends and talk about a yeah. film that delights us. It's well, much think- more fun.
0: And that, with a mouthful of candy, <laughs> It's a perfect place to bring it to a close.
1: Yeah. Uh, J- yeah. Jason, wait do you,
0: here. I'll prep my chopper. Do, do you have a final? Do you have oh, a final Jason. thought on this about, about whether it's funny or not? Mm.
2: Uh, <laughs> long silence. I haven't said anything for a while. <laughs> I mean, it is fucking funny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, thank you for bringing Romeo and Michelle.
2: Thanks, folks.